glad you all came. I hope you find yourself in today's message and that you can use this message to grow. Um, Next two weeks, we're going to be talking about three words. I'll show you. These three words have an enormous impact on the lives of many. They can destroy lives or they can build lives. It all depends on the context in which we use them. Today we're going to talk about the destructive form of these words. Uh, We're going to talk about the, the destructive form that we may become more vigilant of them and avoid becoming destructive Christians. Next week, we're going to take a look at the positive use of these words. So I suggest that you come back next week so that you're not just left hearing the ugly version of these words. Also, you get to eat good food and get to fellowship after the message, so that's more incentive to come. Uh, there may be parts of today's message that you might not relate to, but... I'm sure if you stick around, you're going to say, oh, there I am. For we all have fallen short in glory of God, so we have all fallen victim to, I'll show you. I'm not just pointing fingers at you. I was very convicted uh, as I was putting this sermon together. Uh, So much so that I even question my right to be sitting here behind the pulpit and and preaching this message. But I spoke to Pastor Ed, and he reminded me that God chooses to qualify, or God doesn't choose the qualified, that God qualifies the chosen. I'm a work in progress. There's a whole lot of work to be done. (laughs) This does mean that you're going to be hearing a couple of confessions from me today. I'm going to display some of the flaws of your assistant pastor. I'm going to tell you the holier-than-thou shoes do not fit me. I'm going to tell you a little story Back in my childhood, of the I'll show you, this was the first time that I got drunk, 14 years old, July of 1976. We were celebrating the bicentennial in our little one-horse town. Had a real nice celebration, and I met this girl from out of town that had come there, and boy, I just was infatuated. We hit it off. We were spent the whole day together talking and having fun together, and I uh, found out that she was staying with my second cousin. <laughs> well, my second cousin was from the wealthy, well-to-do Simons family. And I was from the Hillbilly Simons family. <laughs> and so it was like oil and water. We didn't mix together. And and I tried to call this girl that night, talk with her, and my second cousin wouldn't let me speak to her. <laughs> she didn't want to contaminate her friend with that hillbilly. So uh said, I'll show you. <laughs> 
I decided I was going to have a hayride party and I was going to invite all the kids in town. So if they're going to be in the in group, they're going to have to be part of this party too. And it worked. I threw a, you know, managed to acquire a tractor and wagon from my neighbor and and uh, we picked up all the kids in town, and they were there, and they got on that wagon. And I arranged a, with a store to be able to buy some beer and some wine coolers and, and such. Quite a feat for a 14-year-old kid. But I was going to any length to show them. I was going to make an impression on this girl that she would see how cool I was and she would just want to be with me well we went to that beer store and we bought a whole bunch of cases piled them up on the counter and then we stole a whole bunch of cases sneaking them under the counter and we loaded that wagon full of beer and wine coolers and such and I remember about the first two or three drinks and then I blacked out the next morning, they told me of all the humiliating things I had done during that blackout. And I did make an impression on this young lady. <laughs> it wasn't the impression I was shooting for. I never talked to or seen this girl again. That's what I'll show you does. When I'm in charge and I'm... Uh, running my life on my will, this is the mess I end up in. I'll tell you a more current story of the I'll show you. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, while driving down Charles Street, I was in the left-hand lane, and I needed to be in the right-hand lane because I was going to be turning right. And for about a half a mile, I had my turn signal on. And this black pickup truck was just behind me on the right-hand side where I could not merge over. And, and I kept slowing down a little bit and speeding up a little bit. And he just would not let me in. So finally, because my turn was coming up, I had to put on the brakes and as this driver was going by me, I just laid on the horn to let him know that I was not pleased with him. And of course, he gestured to me that I was number one. I, uh, you know, I saw the foolishness in my reaction. I actually laughed out loud about it. I could have braked a half a mile ago and pulled in behind him. But it was the principle of the matter, you know. But the fact is, many people have lost their lives over such trivial actions as that. By the grace of God, this was uh, just a very minimal and brief moment uh, But it could have been so much worse. Our prisons are full of people who reacted with, I'll show you. Nearly everybody in prison are there because I'll show you.
It's a form of pride that ends up ruining their life. Unfortunately, it's not just their lives that are affected. Children grow up without their parental guidance. The significant other is left bearing the whole financial burden. Their parents grieve them, wondering what, where they had gone wrong, what they could have done different. Over $100 billion are spent by these loved ones every year paying for court costs, lawyers, prison phones, commissary, bail bonds. $100 billion a year spent on I'll show you. And that doesn't even include the $81 billion a year that the taxpayers pay to house these prisoners. So many lives are affected by a person's acting on I'll show you. They're trying to act tough, but the truth is, this is a form of fear. Fear that if they don't take action, somebody might go unpunished. Fear that they may lose something or someone that they treasure. Fear that they might appear weak. Fear that God may not be paying attention. Or is not acting quick enough. God says in Deuteronomy 32:35, "It is mine to avenge. I will repay. In due time, their foot will slip. Their day of disaster is near, and their doom rushes upon them. It is not our job to take revenge against the one who steals from us, or the one that hurts us. This is God's job. It is our job to protect ourselves, and the best way to do that is to remain close to God in prayer and in reading his word. We should remember that everything good in our lives comes from God. We are simply stewards of these possessions, sometimes for a reason, sometimes for a season, sometimes for a lifetime. There are blessings from God, and how we tend to his blessings is the gift we give back to God. So instead of getting angry when something is taken from us and seeking vengeance, we should look at our part in it and see how we can become better stewards of our blessings. Our church was recently vandalized. It would be easy for us to Get angry with the thoughts of how dare they. If I could only get my hands on them, I'd show them. Instead, we rallied together and we provided some surveillance for this church, for God's church. And we prayed for these vandals. God reiterates that passage in Romans 12, 19. But before we get to that passage, let's lead in with the verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. 
Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. It is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And then verse 19, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And I've come to learn that any time God repeats himself in the Bible, he wants us to pay attention to this. This is important stuff. Let's get out of God's way. Let him do his job. Let us do our job. And he goes on to guide us in just what our job is. Verse 20 and 21 says, On the contrary... If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Well, I'm going to tell you, if I'm not continuously reading the Bible, this is definitely not going to be my natural reaction. If you're my enemy, I don't want to feed you. I don't want to give you drink. I want to harm you. But this is not what the Bible teaches us. I'm going to confess, I don't read the Bible as much as I should. This is going to change for me. Like I said, this sermon has convicted me in areas. This is God's word, his direction, and how to live. It's probably why I have too many moments of discord in my life. Oh, my life is much better and much calmer than it was in my days of running and gunning and the days when I didn't read the Bible at all. Of course it is. But what am I doing today to strengthen my faith? What am I doing today to make my faith stronger than it was yesterday? We're supposed to be growing as Christians. Am I just saying, thank you, God, I feel good now. You can have the day off. I got this. Boy, those are dangerous words for me. (laughs) My I got this leads me bad places. Shutting God out. This is the pathway to hell. Matter of fact, this is the definition of hell. A separation from God. Our insurance against this is called the Bible. The more I get in the Bible, the less I am going to be separated from God. By reading God's instructions on a regular basis, we will be better prepared on how to handle situations such as confronting vandals to our church. Perhaps these vandals weren't caught yet because perhaps we're not ready to love them the way God wants us to love them. Just a thought. Anytime we shut God out, we are running on self. And I know when I am self-propelling, I am propelling straight into a mess. But then guess who I call upon 
to get me out of that mess. <laughs> if I could just call on him as my perfect guide, maybe I wouldn't have to call him on him as my personal janitor quite so often. I'm sure fortunate that I have a God of grace. I guess this is a spot where I can throw in another confession. I'm going to let you know, this isn't easy for me. I don't like to, for anybody to see my flaws, especially the congregation that God has called me to serve. But if, if I'm not real and honest with you, how can I serve you? I would just be a false prophet. So a couple weeks ago, I'm not proud of this. A couple weeks ago, as I'm writing this sermon, I'm putting this sermon together. I'm in the Word. And I get into this huge, ugly, heated argument with my girlfriend. It got so ugly that anyone who had, might have witnessed it would question that I was a Christian at all, let alone a pastor. She left. I spent the next two days unable to write a single word. I felt so disgusting. Then after two days of licking my wounds, feeling sorry for myself, feeling shameful and guilty, I opened the Bible up. Probably should have done that a couple days prior. (laughs) Maybe before the argument. (laughs) But I opened it up, and guess what I opened it up to? Psalm 64. That, my friends, showed me that David had written about me 2,000 years ago. (laughs) It showed me that this didn't catch God off guard. (laughs) And it shows me that I'm not the only one that this happens to. God has a perfect plan for me. And that plan includes my imperfections. I don't know about you, but I'm not the guy that learns by doing everything right every time. I'm the guy that needs to make mistakes (laughs) to learn from. Quite often I need to make them over and over to learn from them. I was definitely using my tongue like a sword that day. Matter of fact, we were both slicing each other up. (laughs) She said something hurt my feelings, so I'll show you. I'll say something that hurt her feelings. And then she would retaliate and she'd say something even more hurtful. And I'd retaliate with something even more hurtful. And she left wounded, I left wounded. There was no victor here. There was only misery caused. It became clear to me that our victories come from God. Our ruin comes from self. 
He has shown us through this throughout history and throughout the Bible. It's again another importance of keeping in the word. Reading this Bible on a regular basis. It helps us to avoid the pitfalls of self-imposed crisis. This version of I'll show you always creates misery. Just as today's scripture reading describes, its whole purpose is to cause harm. It's much like a boomerang, though. We throw our words out there to cut somebody down. And like the boomerang, it just swings right around, comes back and cuts us down, too. There's no victor here. There's two ways to use the I'll show you in an argument. There's the I'm right. You need to listen to me. What? You're not going to listen to me? Well, I will yell at you so you have no choice but to listen to me. I've done this a lot in my life, and I'm going to tell you, it doesn't work. (laughs) I have never had anything beneficial coming out of me yelling that I'm right. But there's another form of this too. I'm right. You need to listen to me. What? You're not going to listen to me? Well, I won't speak to you at all. Oh, the old silent treatment. I can tell you what, that doesn't work. <laughs> it leaves two people miserable. Not just the one you're trying to hurt, but you hurt yourself too. Because I'm walking around all day, not saying a word. And just brewing on the fact that I'm right and they won't listen to me. Another self-imposed crisis. (laughs) Neither method ever solves the problem. It just compounds the problem. You You would think that we'd learn from the past experiences of continued failure of the I'll show you. Yeah, we all fall into this snare, some to greater degrees than others, but we all fall into it at some point. How far back does this go? How long have we been making the same fatal mistake? Well, let's try since the beginning of mankind, before the beginning of mankind. Let's go back to Lazarus. Lucifer. Excuse me. Let's go back to Lucifer. Though he was given the highest status of all the angels in heaven and was loved by God, he was not content. His pride caused him to desire more. He decided he should be God. He says, I'll show you. I'll get me an army of angels to follow me. And we will defeat your army of angels. And then I will be Lord of the universe. Well, we all know how that worked out. Failure. Adam and Eve, though warned by God, do not eat of that fruit. You can have every other fruit of every other tree, but don't eat from that tree. And they said, I'll show you. And they ate of it anyway. Cain became jealous of his brother. 
He says, I'll show you. And he killed his brother. He became cursed by God. Another failure. The pre-flood people said, we'll show you. We'll do what we want. We know what makes us happy. Failure. The Israelites said, we'll show you. We'll build our own God, a God that we can see. That way we know we have a God. Failure. All throughout the Bible, all throughout history, the I'll show you leads to failure. There is never victory, only misery. Caused Adam to hide. It caused Cain to lie. It caused the pre-flood man to die. Failure. This isn't what God wants for us. God wants to work with us. He wants us to work with each other. He wants us to love one another, encourage one another. God doesn't want us to fix our neighbor. He wants us to love our neighbor. He doesn't want us to harm our enemy. He wants us to love our enemy, just as he loves us. Pastor David Petty spoke once about the EGR people. In case you weren't here to hear about the EGR people, those are the extra grace required people. You know that guy that walks in the room and just instantly irritates you? Well, they don't need us telling them what a mess they are. They probably already know this. They don't need our constructive criticism. What they need is our grace, just as we need God's grace. Our constructive criticism is just another form of self-righteousness. I'm better than you. It has no value. Anytime we place ourselves above anybody else, whether by wealth or by looks, by intelligence, by stature, or even by our righteousness, it is a form of, I'll show you, look at me. We're just stealing God's glory. All that I have that's good in life comes from God. Whether it be wealth, whether it be stature, whether it be good looks, whether it be intelligence, it all comes from God. And every one of us is created perfectly in God's eyes. Because we are all his children. And he loves us all. We're supposed to use this light to shine on God, not to shine on us. We're supposed to let God's light shine through us. When we take the light and we shine it on us, we're just stealing God's glory. We're claiming what belongs to him. God doesn't wants us for his children. He loves all of his children. He wants us to live in harmony. The Proverbs speak a lot about the righteous and the wicked. Speaks a lot about the wise man and the fool. The I'll show you falls into the category of the wicked and the fool. 
Proverbs 10, 2 and 3 say, I'll get ill-gotten treasures are of no value, but the righteous delivers from death. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but thwarts the cravings of the wicked. The first part of this proverb is talking about self-righteousness and pride. Look at me. Look what I have. It tells us that this has no value. Zilch, zero, nada, no value. Its lifespan is very short and gets us nowhere. Our righteousness comes from Jesus, and only through his righteousness is our death diverted. So when we bless ourselves, it is short-lived and unfulfilling. God blesses us, and that is eternal. Anybody who's ever suffered from addiction to alcohol or drugs or food or shopping or money, we can confer that this is never enough. When we bless ourselves, we are always left wanting more. God's blessings, they last forever. The second part of the proverb says that when we seek God and his will for us, he feeds us, not only physically, but spiritually, emotionally, mentally. God feeds us when we let him. Through our faith, we gain peace. Through self, we gain misery. When we sin against God, he allows us to bless ourselves. And we are always hungering for more. When we do this, we're saying, God, I'll show you. What you offer me is just not making me happy. So I know what makes me feel good. I know what will make me happy. So God stands back and says, oh, go ahead. Have at it. And when we become empty inside, because what we thought would make us happy didn't fulfill the bill, again, we reach out for God. And he's always there to lift us up. Every time. Proverbs 29, verses 22 and 23 warns, An angry man stirs up dissension. A hot-tempered one commits many sin. A man's pride brings him low. But a man of lowly spirit gains honor. It is saying that when I'm angry, I spread my sickness to those around me. Causing discord and chaos. My pride makes me less effective and less useful. But a humble man gains the respect of his fellows. In AA, they mentioned two types of elders. The bleeding deacons. I've been here. You need to listen to me. You're doing it wrong. Or the elder statesman who sits back quietly, allows a newcomer to make mistakes, 
and then quietly comes up and counsels them in the right direction. I'll show you in Proverbs 30, 32, gives that guy some good advice. If you played the fool and exalted yourself, or if you have planned some evil, clap your hand over your mouth. If you're acting self-righteous, keep your mouth shut. (laughs) So what have we learned from today's message? That the complete phrase, I'll show you what a fool I am. (laughs) I'll show you is birthed from fear and pride. There are many degrees of I'll show you. From the silent treatment to murder. All have the same result, misery and failure. And you may, you may be thinking, well, I would never fall into the category of murder. But I'm going to tell you, if you get away from God's word long enough, and you start running on self-reliance, And you have that one emotional moment where you're reacting rather than pausing and seeking God's guidance. You don't know what might happen. The prisons are full of people that separated themselves from the word and reacted and are paying that price today. So we just don't know. There's only one solution to the I'll show you, and that is to seek guidance from God and allow him to show us. And that, my friends, is what we're going to be talking about next week. So instead of me giving you a challenge this week, I'm going to allow you to challenge yourselves. Look for yourself in today's message. What areas... Big or small, what areas are we the I'll show you guy? What areas can we seek guidance from God? I challenge yourselves to read the Bible more. I know for me, I don't do it enough. I have a Bible placed in the bathroom today. I spend time in the bathroom. It's a good time to get in a word on a daily basis. (laughs) So, I want you to take a look at yourselves. And be vigilant of these three words. So that we don't become destructive Christians. How many people have been driven away from our church. Because of the action of one Christian. Because that person sees not one ugly tree. They see an old whole forest 
of ugly trees because of an action of one misguided Christian. So let's not be that one. Let's continue to strengthen our faith each day by strengthening our reading of the Bible and our guidance from God. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message, Lord. We ask that you show us where we are in this message today, God. Show us our faults, God. Show us our weaknesses, God. Allow us the willingness to seek you, Lord, that you will come into us, God, and you will guide us and you will strengthen us and you will build us into a better Christian today. Help us to be your light, the vessel of your light, God, that we can lead the unchurched and the lost out of that darkness, Lord. Let us show these people you and your Son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.